Yeah. I mean, she is Amy. She's not Amy, but she is Amy. Hey, guys. I'm Milan. And this is David. Welcome to I Finally Watched, where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. And today, I finally watched Chasing Amy. So, David, I haven't seen this movie in like a really, really long time. And um, being such a long time, I think I watched it at an age where I really couldn't truly appreciate the humor or everything that's really been being said in the movie um, about love and sexuality and stuff like that. What, what did you think of the movie on your first watch? I thought it was really funny. Um, it made me laugh. There's a lot of like very inappropriate things in the movie that made me laugh. <laughs> right. Um, which I guess is the point. Things that are probably more inappropriate now than then. Um, I thought there was some like, if you're being nitpicky, there's some like character stuff here and there that I, I question. But overall, the point of this movie is just to be, I mean, there's some sweet moments and some like very dramatic moments, but um, overall, it's just there to make me laugh. And it did, I think, a great job at that. So I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I mean, when you say inappropriate moments, I, I know exactly the scenes you mean. Um, but it does, it kind of just talks a lot about race and sexuality and tolerance and like what, you know, the common man thinks of um, these topics. And Ben Affleck and Jason Lee's characters in this movie, I, I would say you couldn't get more common man than these characters. Yeah, and I think also Kevin Smith in, in the script, you know, in the way that the dialogue does a kind of an interesting thing where Jason Lee plays, you know, kind of a, he's not a frat guy, but he's just like a guy who's like a, a Neanderthal and the way he talks is, you know, very bigoted and kind of small-minded. And then you have, uh, ben Affleck, Holden McNeil, who's like kind of very progressive in the way he thinks about things, and um, it's it's kind of it's Kevin Smith does it. It's, it's interesting that he's able to like get away with a lot of like really kind of on the edge stuff, and then you have Ben Affleck there and some other characters to like kind of bring it back and be like, well, this is you know, this is this is kind of how I actually, you know, it's Kevin Smith, how he actually sees the world, but he also likes to kind of push the envelope a little bit with, with like the way things get talked about. So the, I, I like that aspect of it. In the very beginning of the movie, there's this kind of this, uh, um, how, how do I say it? Like a black man representation of like an, an extreme white hating black man and then their relationship with him, uh, it, it doesn't seem the movie is trying to take on too much. Yeah, but I mean, they do deal with the other issue. And in that scene um, where the character is Hooper X and he's playing like a like militant black guy who kind of like wants to take white people down. And then you kind of find out that that's all just a show, you know, to sell comics. But you would you would see that part of him and be like, well, that's kind of like a weird way to to kind of address like race issues and stuff. But then that character Hooper X, when when he's just talking with Ben Affleck and um, and other characters, he 
he's like he's my favorite character and, and part of it is because of like the, the issues he touches in just such a matter-of-fact way uh, especially about being a gay black man and like what he has to deal with and how he has to almost sell this cliched image of of what can sell in comics and i think that's kind of the the point kevin smith is trying to make with that character is like certain minority characters and they're even on a minority panel but like women characters gay characters black characters are only allowed to flourish if they hit these like super cliche like notes they're not allowed to just be themselves like that hooper x wouldn't write that type of comic if he was just allowed to write whatever he wanted and the same maybe can be said for um Alyssa. So I think he he addresses it in like a slapstick way, but when you get down to it, I think the the points he's making are kind of kind of interesting, and especially for a movie that's this old. Yeah, um, but even Kevin Smith, I think, falls into a sort of trope with the Hooper X character because I I think it is kind of a stereotype of like when you have a, a white main character, main actor dealing through the turmoils of you know whatever obstacle the movie throws at him he turns to the old wise black man for advice and in this movie he's not old or particularly wise but he does at certain points turn to hooper x for advice and it's decent advice especially when he finds out about the whole finger cuffs thing uh and we'll get to we'll get to that in a second but yeah, because that's, and we can get to it in a second, but that actually is my favorite scene and like why he is, he is like the wise character in the movie because the advice he gives to Ben Affleck, even though Ben Affleck's incapable of following it, is like very sage, very wise, and just what Ben Affleck should do, but he's incapable, so. Yeah. Um, but I even like, that falls into its own stereotype. But then again, I think he breaks it when he introduces Jay and Silent Bob into the movie, which my first time watching it, I was like, oh, there they are. And then I was over it quite quickly. But um, when, when they introduced them into the movie and, you know, Silent Bob, played by Kevin Smith, his own character, starts talking and uh, he has some very wise things to say in this case. Well, yeah, I mean, as as wise as that character can say, and that's always kind of his shtick. When uh when the movie started, I I obviously knew they were going to be in it at some point. I just kept waiting. It was like it's very long into the movie and one kind of small scene. But I do like the way I do like I like their scene in the movie. But I I could always take a little bit more just because it's you know Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith are funny as those characters. Um. And it also, and I told you this before the movie, but I had never seen this. And so I was looking up on IMDb before I watched it. And uh, I was like, well, who's Amy in this movie? Because I thought um, the, the, main, the main girl, uh, Joey Lauren Adams, her name's Alyssa. And I was like, well, I thought she was Amy because she's like the lesbian that he's chasing after. So I like went through everyone. I was like, no one's named Amy. It's like, this makes no sense. And I was telling you this. And then when I watched it, I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, she is Amy. She's not Amy, but she is Amy. Well, she's and like a Amy in the, in the idea that there's an Amy for like everyone, everyone out there. Right. Exactly. Um, which I thought was, you know, Silent Bob's story about Amy was a little, to me, shoehorned in like, oh, 
don't forget we have a theme to this movie. Um, and but, hey, by the way, I had your exact same situation with a, a girl that I found out something crazy about. And I did the exact same thing that you're going to do and screw it up. Yeah. So don't do that. Yeah. Which makes me think maybe Kevin Smith either did have the exact same situation and put it down in script form that happened to him, or um, he also heard from a, one of his friends that it happens to him and then he puts it down and the cycle continues. Because at the end of the movie, Ben Affleck, who's a comic book creator, eventually does create a comic book of his exact type of situation called Chasing Amy. And it's like um, a perfect example of like art imitates life sort of thing. Right. And I guess the next thing that I really want to talk about it, because it was kind of the, I think one of the most interesting, but then the most underdeveloped, I kept going back and forth, but Jason Lee's character. Mm-hmm. Because I think one critique I would have in the movie is like the, the glue that holds the scenes together. Like the, like there's, there's seems to be like scenes missing where you just don't understand like why the hell does Jason Lee care so much that Ben Affleck is with this lesbian girl as opposed to if it was a straight girl? Like, why does he care so much? And why is he such just an asshole? You know what I mean? Like, that's his character just seems to be an a-hole. And I mean, you kind of get this payoff in the end, but at the same time, it seems a little, a little forced, but it was, it was interesting. Like, that, the last scene, you know, the, the climactic scene is is interesting as a concept but and I, I just think that Jason Lee's character could have been developed a little better and then the relationship between Affleck and Alyssa Jones could have been developed better too well I think that's explained in the in the scene that you're talking about but I, w- I was kind of confused because is Jason Lee's character gay or is that just TBD I mean he agrees you know spoiler alert he agrees to the three-way in the end so, I mean, maybe he's just a great friend, but there's, there's nothing in the dialogue or in the end that would lead you to believe that he's not gay. Um, and, yes. And otherwise, why is him, his relationship with uh, Holden McNeil, Ben Affleck, why is that ruined, you know? I would think it's because he's in love with him as as Holden says. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, since it's already kind of sp- spoiled, at the end of the movie, he decides that it would be in their best interest, all three friends, to be, um, in their best interest if they all slept together in a, in a three-way. And that, it's just like, it's a bad idea. Like, the audience knows it's a bad idea. Uh, Jason Lee... Uh, knows it's a bad idea. Alyssa knows it's a bad idea. But how do you think Ben Affleck quite like got to that conclusion? Like, oh, that this is going to solve everything. Not because he's an idiot. Right. Um, but like, it was right after the conversation, I guess, with uh, Silent Bob, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, that sort of led to that decision. What What was interesting to me is I thought the scene after the hockey game where they kind of yell at each other was the climax of the movie. And then you have this other proposed three-way scene that is like the actual climax. And her, 
her reactions were, were pretty interesting in the movie because like at the hockey game, and I, I guess I get why, but she got really upset very quickly because I guess she just, she knew what his questions were getting at and she was really upset with him that he was like asking these very intimate details about her like in public in front of a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. And then when he proposes the three-way, and at first I was wondering why she just ended up breaking up with him, but it, it, it kind of makes sense because, you know, one, she says, I'm, I'm past that in my life. And, and two, the idea that you're just like, you're sort of treating her like a, like a, for lack of a better word, like a whore. You're right. saying like, you know, you're, you're willing to do all this stuff. Like, obviously I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm throwing the idea out there, but I would be, you know, you're not going to say no to this. Like, you know, and you love me and you're, you're willing to do things like this. And she's just like, I'm not, I'm not your whore. I think she actually says. And so it's, that scene is like, it's funny because Jason Lee's character is like, yeah, I'm in. And then when she says no, and he's like, oh, thank God. But you don't really, it's not really stated like why he's relieved, but it's it's just interesting that they have like the two the two ending scenes mm-hmm. well i took it that he was relieved because he didn't really want to do it and the the reason he agreed to it in the first place is probably because he is such a good friend so i i think a big pl- uh plot point in this film is ben affleck meets Alyssa and falls in love with her almost immediately which is kind of a sweet you know like build up kind of a quick romantic build up it's still a sweet build up and then he finds out that she's gay and i the whole middle of the movie is just kind of like ben affleck trying to get closer and closer with with her and then jason lee trying to fuck it all up right and it's interesting because like how quickly he sort of falls for her and then decides like, Oh, you know, we can, you know, I'll be friends with you, but like never really wants to be friends with her. And he's always, and you know, Jason Lee describes this, like you always want to take like the path of, you can never take the path of least resistance. It's always got to be the hardest for you. And so like the, the way he goes about trying to get Alyssa, even though he knows it's not going to work, it, it, it kind of is done well in the fact that like I didn't expect her to say yes. And so the, the plot development of like, you know, you find out she's a lesbian and she's been a lesbian whole, her whole life and she's never questioned it. And then the fact that she, when, you know, the scene where they're in the car and he's, you know, telling her that he loves her and that, you know, can't see his life without her and she's made her a better person. And, even if this ruins anything, and it's funny, he just like keeps talking and talking and talking. And you're like, are you ever going to let her like give you an answer? But when after, after she runs out of the car and then she comes back to him and like kisses him, I was like, I was a little bit shocked that that was like the way the movie was going. And then the, the ending and like him finding out about finger cuffs and everything, it sort of makes a little bit more sense that she was like open to that type of relationship. But I think the way the plot was developed throughout towards the end was very well done. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I was younger and I first saw this, I had, I had a, a problem with, so I guess the problem I had with it was that 
Jason Lee wa- had a big monologue about how he couldn't understand lesbians because he thinks that like women and all, this applies to all women in his, um, in his thinking needed a man or needed at least the, the genitalia of a man to, to truly be satisfied. And it, it was this kind of this uh, lack of understanding between Jason Lee and Ben Affleck that sex isn't just about penetration. Uh, and you, you come to this point in the movie where you know, Ben Affleck starts accepting and realizing, oh, you know, sex is love and, and all that. And then Jason Lee is still kind of like, I don't get it. I don't want to get it. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll just be happy for my friend. And then, and it leads to a conversation between Jason Lee and Ben Affleck's characters where Jason is like, you know, you're not going to change your mind. I don't know why you're, you're spending so much time with her. She's a lesbian and you're not going to be able to sleep with her. And, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but then that kind of like contradicts what he says about like how all women uh, long for, you know, sex with a man. And then it turns out that she not only wants to be with him, but she has been with men previous in her life. And that just, it still kind of ticks me off that in a way, Jason Lee's character was right. Or at least the movie was trying to like say that he was right when I don't think he should have been right. Yeah, I guess I can see that. But in a way he was also wrong because he, he thought Ben Affleck was wasting his time. And I don't think, I think the point of Jason's Lee char- Jason Lee's character was just kind of to show how someone who can be misogynist, uh, homophobic, and just like overall an, an asshole can maybe have this like this kind of weird self-hating reasoning behind it. I know they don't make it perfectly clear that he in the end is gay, but I think that's what they're alluding to um, because him and Ben Affleck don't have a relationship after the the threesome proposal. Um, but I, I don't think the whole point of the movie is just that Jason Lee's ideas on the world in this movie are correct. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I, and I like it more now, but when I first saw it, and mind you, this was like 10, 12 years ago, um, I remember really not liking the movie because it kind of pulls the rug from out under you by saying, oh, she's gay. Oh, she's not. And by the way, she was actually bisexual the entire time where I understood for like character development for, you know, what Ben Affleck had to go through. Um, I understand that better now. Um, But I remember really not liking it when I was younger. But I think that was just mainly because my lack of understanding of the world. <laughs> Wait a second. So you're telling me that you chose for us to do this movie and you wanted me to watch it and then us talk about it. And the last time you had seen it, you did not like it? Did I say that? Uh, it's not, look, it's not like I didn't like it. It's just that I thought that to, to me it brought up some interesting points that I thought would be interesting to talk 
about nowadays. Um, so I, I'm not wrong about that, but I mean, you know, I, I liked it. I think, I think it's a relatively good movie that, that does talk about controversial stuff in a like enlightening way, especially for 1997. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not exactly the dark ages, but it will. <laughs> and at the time I was 10 years old. So, um, one thing that I like to do when we watch these movies like from the 90s or 80s or whatever is kind of see some of the things in the movie that because we've seen hundreds of movies since then are just sort of obvious or don't really make sense or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the second they walk into that club in the beginning, and maybe it's because I knew Alyssa Jones was a lesbian, maybe not, but like you know it's a lesbian club. I mean, so it's the, called it's called the meow mix for God's sake. But the, when Jason Lee is just like looking around and just sees nothing but women, he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I was just like, "Well, I mean, I think that was something like I don't know if the audience caught, but it was really, it's just yeah. really funny." And then in 2020, watching the scene where she's has her three or four lesbian friends over helping her pack up her comic books and then they ask her about her new relationship and she says they and then they don't live around here and they and I was like oh man she's doing the pronoun thing and then one of her friends is just like um why are you playing the pronoun game and I was just like that's something that may not even notice because people do that all the time now but it was just funny to immediately notice like oh she's trying to hide it yeah yeah, I mean, I, I caught that and I was like, you know, that would go so under the radar nowadays. But it, it's kind of funny in a way how unaccepting they are to her now dating a man. I, di- I did find it interesting though that they all got mad at her and were just like, well, another one bites the dust. Like an- another one is turned away. Yeah, I guess. I guess. And then that leads to what I thought was kind of an interesting moment when Jason Lee gets the yearbook and it's, it says finger cuffs and that sort of from then on leads to like what the rest of the movie is about. But I thought the whole idea of like, because Ben Affleck and uh, Alyssa Jones are kind of both from like the same area in New Jersey, like just two towns that are next to each other. And the idea that you have this like, oh, this one dude that went to one high school and then went to the other, I think it's just like kind of like a funny plot device of like, he was in with both crowds and like has the dirt on both. And so he's like a go between when you need, like you need information on this other school, he'll, he'll be the one who can tell you. Yeah. Um, that, that part to me, I thought was pretty interesting, like pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, we, we even had that um, back when I was in high school, uh, we had like one public school that was relatively close to the other side, um, the other side's public school. And so, you know, people had friends that, I've been in both when they moved or, you know, new people who knew people that's been to one or the other. So it, it was kind of like, ah, yeah, information gets around that way. A hundred percent, like very relatable. Um, as far as this being a nineties movie, I, you know, I never really had a true appreciation for nineties films. Uh, and I guess m- mainly because I grew grew up in the nineties, but man do do 90s uh movies have like their own style um between this and like 
a lot of other Kevin Smith movies, um, Clerks. And then I'm thinking uh, also like Swingers, uh, just very, uh, very stylized in, in a way that I never really appreciated before. You know, you're, you're older than me. And uh, I, even though I grew up in the 90s, um, I was just like seven years old by the time the 90s finished up. How do these movies kind of resonate with you? Um, like when you when you see Clerks or Swingers or um, just these like very very era based '90s movies, uh, are they nostalgic for you, or or how do you like relate to them? I think when I see them now, and especially like Swingers is a good example. Um, Top Gun a little bit, but that's like late 80s. Um, but a lot of these movies are kind of like, I see them as like my older brother's movies. Like these are movies I would see like on their shelves. And so, you know, and they're a little, you know, they're probably more in the Gen X range. And so like, that's an era that's a little bit before me. And so it's like, not something I'm as familiar with. It, it kind of takes me back a little bit to like, almost being a kid and like seeing these things that like, were just kind of above my understanding at that time. And so it's like, yes, I lived through the entire 90s, but not not at an age where I could like fully kind of take in everything about it, including like these movies. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know you've said this in other um, reviews before, and I, as I think it's still one of the best things that you have said during our podcasts but you sometimes refer to movies as being nostalgic for a time that you've never been in. Like nostalgic, nostalgic for a time before your time. And I think that's kind of like what resonates with me with these kinds of movies is that it's like, man, to be my age, you know, right now, back in the nineties when I was just a kid, that, that, would, that would be uh, a very different experience, I think. I think we should get back to talking a little bit some scenes in the movie. And my my favorite scene in the movie is the scene where Holden goes to Hooper X for advice after finding out about finger cuffs. And the way he just describes how men always want to be like pioneers and think that they're the first place, like they're, <laughs> they're the first person to ever like discover this new territory. And so... Holden was fine when she had slept with, you know, when, when Alyssa had slept with hundreds and hundreds of women, but like finds out that she's had sex with two dudes and just can't handle it and is thinking about breaking up with her. Um, and the way he kind of describes how like as a, as a gay man, like he does the same things to the guys that, <laughs> that he's with. He tells them, he's like, oh, I've never done this before. And he's like, and then when I'm tired of them, I, I hit him with the truth and let him know. <laughs> and then I just get rid of them. <laughs> Um, I think that whole, that whole scene is like, he's really funny. I think he's really like the things he are saying, his, he is saying are really like, like poignant. Why could I not think of the word poignant? Yeah. I think the things he are saying is really poignant. Um, and it's, it's interesting, like watching the movie because there's some things that don't age necessarily well and are some things that you should, could get away with the 90s that if you did now people would have a problem with 
But as I'm watching it, I'm watching it thinking, Kevin Smith wrote this, but it's coming through the being spoken by a black guy who I don't know if he's gay or not in real life, being spoken by women who may or may not actually be lesbians. And so it's like, there is this kind of like disconnect in my head of like, you know, this is still just coming from like Kevin Smith. You know what I mean? This is Kevin Smith's ideas of the world. And so it, it, it does make me wonder a little bit like how much input the actors had and like what they said, because this was kind of a, the, the budget for this movie was like 250,000. And so like yeah. a lot of this had to be shot kind of quickly. Well, you know? I don't, I don't know much about Kevin Smith and his uh, directing techniques. Um, but the little bit that I do know uh, of him, the, the stuff that I have heard is that he is a quite like a hands-off director. So it wouldn't surprise me if he more or less was like, Hey, this is kind of what I, where I want the scene to go. Like asking the actors, uh, this is more or less where I want the scene to go. What do you think? And, and, you know, how would you like kind of do this? Um, and in that way, I could believe that it's more like multiple voices than just, you know, him. Right. And then that takes me to like the guy that plays Hooper X, his name's Dwight Ewell, I believe. Um, I looked him up and he has done like very little other like kind of well-known work. He was in like Jane Silent Bob Straight Back strike back reprising this character a little bit but he was so amazing to me in this movie and he hasn't been in anything in like 10 years it's just kind of shocking to me that like he couldn't get more after this because I, I love him in this movie I think he's great yeah he he was really good and then one of the <laughs> one of uh, the fate my uh, a really funny scene and it's in it's within the scene that's your favorite the the one where they're in the I guess they're in the what music store, yeah yeah and uh, the little kid walks up to him and wants his autograph, and he's like I, I forget what he says something like fight the power or like that yeah yeah that's right he he sees like uh, he points to Ben Affleck and he's like you see that white man over there well he's the devil and <laughs> the little kid's like yep and it, I don't know that's just like so funny to me. Well, Hooper, Hooper X is also kind of the the reason a little bit that Ben Affleck suddenly realizes that uh, Jason Lee, whose name is Banky in the movie, uh, may be gay because he says like that boy loves you in ways that he's not ready to deal with, and it's kind of like a revelation to Ben Affleck that he like never really thought about why Jason Lee is acting this way. And so, well, Jason Lee's whole like outlook on life is being tested throughout the movie, even at the real like very beginning where Hooper X is like, oh, so Archie and Jughead were, they're lovers. And Jason Lee gets really, really pissed off about that and does like everything he could possibly do for like the, the next, uh, you know. Well, they actually leave the bar to, to go. To He's like, find, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. go get comics. I'm gonna prove to you. And I love Hooper's like, well, you excuse me, I have to go like, rock this guy's world for a minute, but we'll be back. And then they come back and he's like, Jason Lee, is like, see, Jughead is just giving Archie a massage. <laughs> it's just, I even missed that part. Yeah, um, it's when they were playing darts, which I I also thought uh, when he and Alyssa, um, Holden and Alyssa were playing darts, I thought that was a great scene, too. There, there's a lot of really nice scenes in this movie, um, and and they it does bring up such you know interesting um, 
chatter, I guess, with it still being such a funny film. Uh, it's not my favorite Kevin Smith movie. I think I, I think Clerks is still number one for me. Um, but do, do you like other Kevin Smith works? So I have seen Clerks 2 and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And while both of those are not like great movies in my estimation, I enjoyed both of them. Um, I liked this one too. And it does have like some pretty good, you know, obviously Ben Affleck, you know that he's a, a great actor, but it has some great performances by him and um, Alyssa played by Joey Lauren Adams. And it, like the, the moments where he's kind of like bearing his soul to her and the moments where she's getting like super angry at like the things that he's done and like the fact that he's found out about her past. And then at the end when he's, uh, when he's uh, proposing the three way and she's just like, no, I, you, you know, I'm past that. I can't do that anymore. And I have to leave you. Um, I think she gives a, a really good performance. Sometimes I'm a little like, I was a little lost by like what motivated her to react the way she did. Mm-hmm. like at the hockey rink to just start screaming at him. Um, but I thought in like most of the scenes, she was kind of completely justified because while Ben Affleck kind of portrays himself for a lot of the movie as being this like progressive accepting guy, you know, he's constantly telling Jason Lee, like, don't talk like that. Don't call her that. I'm going to hit you. If you keep talking about her like that, I'm going to quit quit calling people gay and quit doing this and that, you know, you're, you're better than that. At the end of the day, when he finds out that she's had sex with dudes, he's like, wants to end things with her. He wants to have a three-way with her and just assumes that she's going to be all right with that and should be all right with that. So like his outwardly, his views, what he expresses to people is like somewhat progressive, but when push comes to shove and he's in a situation, he's still like, reverts back to like somewhat chauvinistic tendencies yeah and i find it interesting in the end when you see all the characters kind of you know they've part their way and they're back at the uh, the comic-con um i guess like a year went by maybe and uh it's, it says six months six months went by okay well i also have a it's funny because at the the establishing shots of the Comic-Con in the beginning of the movie, um, it's the exact, and I mean the exact same people in the exact same makeup and costume uh, from in the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie. So when I first, when the movie first started and they were showing kind of the street signs and stuff and they were going inside, I thought that they had maybe just like found an actual Comic-Con and like set up a table <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was like it looked like guerrilla style. Like they were just like, we have to get this shot and then get out of here. Like the cops are going to come. And I mean, for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget, like that type of thing would make sense. But it also would make sense that if they are going to pay for like all these extras and for this scene with like a ton of people in it, when none of the other scenes have that, that like we're going to use this <laughs> twice. Well, the the other scene that has a ton of extras in it, and I I am getting a little off track, but it's uh. The hockey game? Yes, the hockey game, which I thought was really, really awesome because as he's grilling her with these questions leading up to, you know, did she have a three-way with with these two guys back in high school, the 
two of the hockey players are getting um, punches in on each other and getting just like this one big brawl. Getting punches in on each other, we call that fighting in common parlance, if you want to just call it that. Okay, sorry. I, uh, I don't know much about sports, but uh, in, the, in the hockey game, when the two players fight each other, um, I love the metaphor between that when, you know, they're basically taking below the belt hits and he's asking below the belt questions to her that emotionally would feel like a punch in the gut right well and you can even just see it on her face like she doesn't hide her emotions like when those questions get asked and he's like he is fairly obvious like in what he's doing but at the same time it's because as the audience we know what he's doing but her um she is not hiding like any of her emotions when he's asking those questions and back to like when they shoot the the final scene and he, uh, you know, six months later at the the same Comic-Con, but uh, the new Comic-Con, I I did have like a little bit of trouble. I wish they had tied in like the Baby Dave comic that um, Jason Lee wrote at the end. I wish they had somehow tied that in better with like earlier in the movie because I really have no idea like what the point of that was. It almost, it seemed like a missed opportunity for like, a joke that could have like that could have been set up in the beginning and paid off at the end and it didn't seem like it was from anything so the way i understood the the baby dave comic um it's kind of like a a character growth maybe for uh jason lee's character um who so what what was his name again banky banky b-a-n-k-y okay banky yeah um but that's obviously like a nickname. Maybe like his actual name was is Dave. I don't know if they established that anywhere in the movie. Maybe they did and we missed it. Um, but maybe like he's finally like owning up to like he's his outlook on life is like that of a child. It's like very immature. And that's kind of like his realization that he's like that um, is maybe represented in that comic book. And then of course... Um, Holden, Ben Affleck, his comic book is called Chasing Amy about the exact same situation that he's in. And that kind of shows that his growth has come from his learning and understanding of of, um, what he's been through. So in a way, maybe that was just trying to show like, you know, in the end, yeah, friendships are ruined and people move on, but they have developed as better human beings. Well, and yeah, and you can see like the way that they kind of uh, Holden and Banky communicate with each other in the end. Like they may not like become friends again, but at least they, you know, there's no like animosity. Banky just can't be around Holden for reasons that he doesn't want to express, but they're still, you know, they still always have kind of that bond. They just need to be separate now. Yep. So I'm actually really glad that I revisited this film because I do like it a lot better. I think it does, you know, say really interesting things. And my understanding of those interesting things that are being said uh, are more, I guess, developed now (laughs) for myself. Um, So did you like the movie? And would you, would you watch it again? I did like it. Um, It's probably not something that I'll like, 
it's not something that I'm going to be like, I have to see this again sometime soon or in the near future. I wouldn't be against watching it again if someone hadn't seen it. Um, and I do think, you know, he does try and talk about kind of some interesting things and he has some, some ideas that he's trying to express. It's, it's sometimes hard to tell if he's like doing it in the most appropriate way um, or if, you know, 23 years later that this is the same way society would think about this or if we've kind of moved past some of these ideas. But, but in the end, that all that I really will remember about this movie is that it, it made me laugh um, a lot and uh, I had a good time watching it and it's kind of an easy watch. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you there. I probably, you know, uh, won't see it again, but I'm glad I did see it again. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And today I finally watched Chasing Amy. And tune in to our next episode where we're going to have a very special guest. See ya.